0: Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt.
0: We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships.
1: If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place.
0: Here we go. One of the times I made it to six months of sobriety, Sherry, I relapsed. And my relapses weren't the kind where... There's some awful trigger and I drink in a panic. My relapses were always really well thought out. I'm not, I'm not bragging. Sounds like I'm bragging about my high quality relapses.
1: My high quality relapses that I thought out <laughs> and I know what I was up against. But yeah. I still chose the alcohol. It
0: wasn't a trigger. I didn't do it impulsively. I actually thought I was smart by choosing to drink again. Yes. But one, So one of the times I had made it to six months sober... And I, I don't remember the justification. I I know that when I relapsed after long-term sobriety, it was always because I was still feeling bad. I still wasn't happy, and I was dealing with the depression. And I thought, "Gosh, if I'm just gonna be depressed for the rest of my life, I might as well be drinking and depressed." So really, just I I didn't have the knowledge and information I have now, and I decided to drink again. So. Again, not triggered, but thoughtful decision. And towards, you know, the whole, I don't know, last few years, several, maybe five years of my drinking, I had this self imposed limit on the weekends that I would only drink, only drink a six pack of high power IPA beers if we were staying home and there was nothing going on. It was just you and me and the kids doing chores around the house.
1: Can we define the weekend?
0: Well, yeah. it started
1: out as
0: well, the weekend. Sundays was... were
1: not part of the weekend when you first imposed this rule because you said, I have to get up and go to work. So I will stop. Well, maybe you stopped drinking by like six at or dinner some time.
0: time period. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you were only like limiting four. But
0: for the most part, my weekend went from Thursdays after I played an old man soccer game with my friends, Thursday nights through Sunday was the weekend. Yeah. But so on this particular occasion, it must have been probably a Saturday, maybe a Sunday, but it was probably the second or third week of me being back to drinking after deciding that my six months of sobriety wasn't working and I was going to try really hard to be a In control. moderate drinker, an in-control drinker. And so I just remember specifically that I was on that six-beer limit, but I had, st- I had been drinking enough that I was entertaining the idea of, bra- of bending that rule as well. And I was working on something around the house, and I don't recall what it was, but like with most projects with me around the house that involve materials, going to Home Depot it meant multiple trips because I never seemed to buy quite the right stuff or the right amount of stuff for whatever the project was. And again, I don't remember what it was, but whatever it was, I misestimated or mispurchased to to such a degree that I had to make three or four trips to Home Depot for more, more stuff of whatever I was working on. And the reason that's significant, and I, I think this is probably news to you, maybe you know this, but each time I would go to Home Depot, I would stop at that bar that has the smoker down the street, down on Ogden.
1: I would stop That's not there. even near a Home Depot.
0: Well, it's on the way to that Home Depot, sort of. Just a couple blocks off the, the route. But I'd stop at this kind of divey bar that I was fond of and have a beer. And in my head, I justified it in two ways. First of all, I didn't want you to see me drinking more than my my l- very limited six pack that I would, which now looking back, I just I think it's hilarious and sad that I thought limiting myself to six you know I don't even remember what percent alcohol IPAs are, but a lot six, six or eight percent alcohol Good,
1: yeah.
0: uh, IPAs I thought limiting myself to only six of those was really keeping it under control. I'm only really drunk when I, or Mostly drunk when I finished drinking those. But so, you knew I would be drinking my six-pack of IPAs while I worked on this project, and I didn't want you to know about the extra that I just felt like I deserved, I felt like I needed. I often got this this feeling that if I was doing something for the family, you know, I, I deserve this. I deserve a little more. And so, probably three trips to Home Depot meant three three more That's IPAs familiar. at the bar, which I distinctly remember by the third time I walked in there, the bartender was like, what, the... what is wrong with you? Just make, with... A, make a decision. Either be a drunk like these other six guys sitting at the end of the bar that will be here for eight hours today, or don't.
1: And I guess that would maybe, thankfully, be not an opportunity for you to invite any of the children to go with you to Home Depot. Right. Because oftentimes, like, they like to go to Home Depot. What kid doesn't? But then you would have been dismissing and blowing them off because it wouldn't interfere with your pit stop to the bar and, uh, wow, and then you're just driving and drinking.
0: Yeah, that part's bad, that part's inexcusable, but that part's not the necessarily the point of mm-hmm. this story. The point of this story is you know, and I, I, I even remember looking at those guys at the end of the bar, those six or eight guys at the end of the bar that clearly had been there all day and planned to stay till closing time. And thought, God, what a bunch of sad sacks. I'm just here for a quick beer. What's the harm in a quick beer? You know, it was going to add up to nine IPAs in the day or ten IPAs in the day or whatever. But I wasn't nearly as sad and pathetic as those guys. So I justified it. I justified it because I was doing work for the family. And I justified it because I justified the fact that I was keeping that truth from you because I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to disappoint you and even though I thought I was justified in my decision why even go down that path? Why even let you in on on how much I was drinking? It could only cause harm. So the thing that I want to talk about with you today Sherry is my, my alcoholic lies. Can they be both innocent and also evil? And that's that's a question that I have for you. Can Can my innocent lies, can the innocent lies of an alcoholic be can they be both innocent and also evil? And before you answer that question, I want to pose a few more situations, a, a little walk down memory lane for you and I. And hopefully this is stuff that our listeners can really relate to. One of the things that I want to kind of expose I mean when we when we think of the word lie we just think that's an evil awful dastardly thing to do you are a bad person when you lie but from the perspective of the person doing the lying in an alcoholic relationship we really 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 think we're doing the best thing in that situation for the people around us and ourselves it doesn't just come from some dark seedy corner of our you know diabolical mind. We we think we're doing the right thing in the moment. And I want to talk about that. And, you know, I, I recognize that I'm walking a fine line here. It it must sound like I'm just defending defending the alcoholic and not taking ownership. I'm I'm a big fan of taking ownership of of our behavior and the consequences. But I also am a big fan of Admitting and talking openly about the impact that alcohol has on the way our brains work. And so, when we make these decisions under the influence, and that can be when we have been actively drinking or when our alcohol soaked brain is sober for a while, we are still, to a degree, under the influence of the poison that has changed the way our brains function. So, without defending myself and other alcoholics, you know, I want to explain. What the process is like and what we feel like. And then, and then get your feedback. Does that sound like a good plan? Sure. So, can the lies of the alcoholic be innocent and evil at the same time? I used to occasionally go next door. We, we had a, a neighbor that lived next door to us for five or so years. That was a big drinker. They didn't have any kids. He often had his drinking buddies over. Everyone was roughly my, my age. And occasionally he'd wave me over from across the fence or I'd you know I'd see that he had people over, and I would kind of poke my nose over the fence, "Hey, what are you doing? hoping I'd get invited over?" And then I you know I'd say, "Hey, sherry, I'm just gonna go talk to the neighbor for a minute and come back four hours later, pretty intoxicated. Uh, I liked our neighbor's company, but what I really liked was... They had a wide variety of high end <laughs> alcohols. I remember one time he and his buddy had bought this smoke flavored alcohol, and it was, supposed, it was called Campfire or something. It was supposed to make you feel like you were eating the campfire smoke gross. while you were drinking it. Gross. It was so awesome. It's so gross. <laughs> I know. I, I know you would think it was gross, I, but I loved it. And mm. and then I would, you know, I'd come back after. Hey, I'm just gonna go to the neighbors for a few minutes and come back four hours later drunk, and and say, oh, you know, the neighbor, he had some something he was worried about, and he he was running up by me, and I just couldn't get out of there. I was helping him, or or you know, all all the all the guys were we were talking about some particular topic, and I couldn't get out of the conversation, so I kind of got stuck over there. Sorry, Sherry, and you know, I I, I knew that the truth was I was over there because there was no place on earth I would rather be than. At my neighbor's house with all this high-end booze, did you buy it all no. when I w- <laughs> As it was coming out of your back. Well,
1: why? Like why? Well, no, I didn't buy any of that. You, I, I knew that. I knew what they did over there. It's not like it was really far away. I could hear the like because they had outdoor speakers. They all hanging out in the back. I knew why you were over there. You didn't go over there. You didn't invite him over for coffee. You know, it's not like you didn't know what you're doing. So, no, I didn't buy that. I didn't buy that he was wanting your opinion on something. I can imagine you guys just shooting the shit and and having a couple whiskeys. I would have rather you said that than try to make it seem like there was something wonderful and helpful and important important. going on. Because
0: I I was counseling my neighbor on some important thing.
1: Yeah. Like, I would have. Yeah, because I was like always one person that I felt like, you know, you're drinking, you did a lot of that alone. So I almost even looked at it like, I'm glad he's going to go over and socialize and drink with a group of guys. At least he's not
0: sulking in the basement by Exactly,
1: because maybe, you know, he's going to be in a better mood, or at least he's socializing drinking. Because for me, drinking was a social activity. Yeah. So I, I definitely did not buy any of your well,
0: with that story and that example, I'm just kind of easing us into the topic. Ah. That was a pretty pretty benign situation. I think even in the moment, I probably knew that you were reading right through what I was saying about how important it was and how I got stuck over there. But in, in the end, uh, that that lie was probably more for myself than anything else rather than say, gosh, I stayed over there for four hours because I love drinking smoke-flavored whiskey. It was easier for me to even tell myself. And that's that's part of the point of this discussion. Sometimes the lies are for ourselves. It just makes us feel less like a delinquent when I've abandoned my family for an afternoon to drink. If we can say, oh, there was there was some really heavy stuff going on and that's why I had to stay. But like I said, that's kind of a benign initial example. There, Here's another one. You and I used to own a whole grain bread bakery. And We started baking bread really early in the morning. And I didn't work every Saturday. I worked a lot of Saturdays. But there was a particular Saturday when there was a problem at the bakery that started early in the morning pre-dawn. And our employees called me and I had to go in to deal with whatever the problem was. And whatever it was, was rectified pretty quickly. A A piece of equipment that needed just a quick repair or something like that. And I came back home, and you—you know—it was still probably pre-dawn or just barely beginning to be dawn, and you were still asleep. And I told myself immediately, "Well, I'm all jazzed up now. There's no way I can go right back to sleep. I'm all—I'm into the action of the day." But it was still so early that I needed more sleep. I hadn't gotten a full night's sleep. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll just have a beer to make myself tired and help myself get back to sleep, sleep in a little bit this, this Saturday morning. And I remember on this particular day, it was during Wimbledon. And of course, Wimbledon is played, you know, in England. And uh, my pre-dawn is there midday. And so they were already having matches. So I turned on the TV while I was having my, my one beer to help me go to sleep. And I'm not a tennis fan by any means, but there's something about Wimbledon. It's a it's kind of the biggest tennis thing there is and the pageantry and everyone wears white and whatever. So I got into it a little bit and well you know I'm not quite tired yet so I think I'll have another beer and I probably drank six or eight beers in a very short period of time because I was it was medicinal sherry I wasn't drinking for pleasure I was drinking to put myself to sleep. so I was slugging them back pretty fast and I never did go back to sleep that morning. I probably passed out by the middle of the day that day, I after having consumed a lot. I remember the pile of beer cans surrounding me because for whatever reason I wasn't throwing them away as I was drinking them or putting them in the recycling as I was drinking them. And I remember at one point thinking, Oh, Sherry and the kids will be up soon. I gotta get rid of these empties. I gotta get them to the recycling. But when a situation like that would happen, and you know, I, I would hide my drinking behind the fact that, oh, I've got this this stressful job, I had to get up after four hours of sleep and go fix something, and woe is me, my life is hard and I just need the beer for medicinal purposes, you understand Sherry, I mean how how would a situation like that make you feel if I was hiding behind those, I'm not drinking because I enjoy it or because I have a problem, I'm drinking because I have to to help me get back to sleep
1: is there- how how did I handle it?
0: How did that make you or, feel? How did you handle it? Oh. Is there a question in there? Is that <laughs> That's
1: you're... yeah. Well, it, let's. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that it was medicinal. I knew it was for your pleasure, and you thought that not, it would help you go to sleep. Now, but, are
0: you just saying that because you know all that you know now, or in the moment did you no, really not believe I, I, anything I was saying? I didn't believe
1: any of it. It was you, you were awake and you wanted beer. That's what happened.
0: Sounds pretty simple when
1: you say it that way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to me, and some, sorry, but I I didn't, I can imagine, like, that, yes, we used to think, oh, like, alcohol does get you back to sleep, but now we know it doesn't. But when it was that long of time frame, you know, I'm like, that's just because you wanted it and it tasted good and you were kind of a morning person anyhow, so you were already awake. So
0: so, if I had said like, oh, I just had a couple beers, because that's what I would have said, even if I had six or seven or eight or whatever it was, I probably could have. I would have said oh, I had a couple that. beers. Well, believe it, yeah, but but did you? Would you have thought, you know, if I said, oh, I was just trying to get back to sleep, and and you would know that that wasn't the truth. I was drinking because I had a problem and I enjoyed it. What? How how would that lie make you feel? Would you think that I'm just this evil bastard, or would you think? That I'm weak?
1: We- no, I would think that you would think that I'm pretty gullible. Okay. I'd be like, does he think I'm that gullible? And that I'm that stupid and I have my head buried in the sand? I know that he thinks that having the beer is going to make him go back to sleep. You know. Yeah. Um But really, he just wants it because he's awake.
0: But still, you wouldn't be thinking and, at this point that I was evil, necessarily. No. Just... I was stupid I, what, enough to what, think that, that you were stupid.
1: Yeah. That that started building in my insecurities because I would say, he really thinks I'm that stupid that I'm going to believe that. So it wouldn't be so much about you. It would be about what I thought you thought about me.
0: An amazing part of this process, this whole sobriety process and discovery and recovery to me is learning how much you knew that I didn't think you know knew. So I definitely thought I was the smarter of the two of us, and I'm I'm now convinced that you were the smarter of the two of us all along, and I wonder how many other alcoholics in sobriety have had that kind of an epiphany. The next example I want to bring up, this one's pretty embarrassing, but there were times, not every week, not all the time, but there were occasions when I put vodka in my coffee to go to church on a Sunday morning. And I would justify that in my head as, you know, especially with when we owned the bakery, that was a a six-day-a-week, full-time, six-day-a-week job. And I worked so hard, and this is my only day off, and most people get two days off, and I only get one day off. So I deserve to start early, and I deserve that extra attack on the stress by getting the vodka in there early, since I only get one day Uh, I'm going to make the most of it. And I don't know that, did you ever know that I was drinking vodka in my coffee in church?
1: Absolutely not. No. No, that one's a new one.
0: Oh, you, like you don't know?
1: I I didn't know. Oh. Yeah.
0: I meant in the moment did you know, but you're saying you didn't know until just now.
1: No. I mean, I remember a couple times you've said yes, I put, but I didn't know it was a more regular occurrence. Well, half
0: a dozen times, maybe. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't call it regular.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, I I wouldn't have. So how does a lie like that make you feel? I I think I'm going to go back to the word that I used, like, was it last week when you, you know, just sick? Like, that's sick. Yeah. Like, for one, coffee and vodka sounds disgusting.
0: Well, the reason most alcoholics end on vodka And I had a lot of vodka in my last 10 years. My alcoholism segment of my story is because it mixes decently with just about anything. It's kind
1: of a benign flavor. And it
0: doesn't stink nearly as badly as other alcohols do. So especially with a strong coffee, a strong bitter coffee, I felt like nobody could smell it on me. Yeah, yeah. And if you couldn't smell it on me and you've got a good sniffer, then apparently that's
1: correct. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, I think that's sick and sad and maybe even pathetic. um and it makes me then, and I knew that you always wanted to rush right out of church. In fact, we stopped going to a church. one of the one of the factors because there was a lot of factors was because the service that we liked was like at 11 o'clock. And it was sort of inconvenient because we had young kids. We owned the bakery. We were kind of used to being up and going. So we did move to a closer location so we could ride our bikes, you know, and be closer to our church in a neighborhood. And but also, before but it would be, 12 or 12, but it, Yeah, but it would be earlier. But still, even then, you'd be like wanting to rush out of church. And I knew that you wanted to rush out. And not really stay and socialize or let the kids play and hang out with other kids their age um, in the gym. Because I knew that you knew that beer was waiting at home. So it always pissed me off that we had to curb our only social interactions with our church people. And then finding out that, you know, occasionally you put vodka in your coffee to go just sounds even more pathetic.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily make you angry no. Just makes you disgusted. This
1: makes me sad for you and sad for people that do things like that.
0: Here's one. What about the time that we were on our way to Indiana for the Indianapolis 500, which was an annual tradition for our family? And on the way there, I, I had been sober for some period of time, probably just weeks, and was verbally committed to sobriety and emotionally committed to sobriety and on the way there somewhere in the middle of Kansas I changed my mind and decided there's no way I can go to the Indianapolis 500 with all of our bartending friends from college and miss that big festive alcoholic party. Now, mind you, by this time, all of our friends from college had, in this particular group had slowed way down on their drinking. They would just have a, a few mm-hmm. on the night before the race party. but And I was the one that was making an ass of myself when I would drink. But regardless, I was I was dedicated, or I had uh, dedicated to sobriety, but somewhere in the middle of Kansas, I decided I couldn't do it.
1: Wasn't that the time that it had been six months? It might have been. I'm thinking that it was, because I remember that. I
0: mean, I made it to Horrible six months trip. a couple of times. But, so, wh- what was that like when you had been convinced by me that I was going to quit. And then I just backpedal on everything. I mean, I, I was never, I mean, we should preface this by saying I was never the kind of liar or denier or gaslighter who lied and then looked you in the face and said, or pardon me, drank and looked you in the face and said, I didn't drink.
1: Right. And it wasn't I never because I'm, bottles it wasn't and... cause I'm
0: a better person than people who do that. I just knew, knew, knew I couldn't get away with it. If mm-hmm. I thought I could have gotten away with it, I probably would have done that. Mm -hmm. But there was no, you know, fiber in my body that thought I could get away with drinking and you not knowing.
1: Well, because you had convinced your whole goal in the beginning of our relationship was to convince me that I was the one with the problem with drinking. Not in a conscious mind, but in a subconscious mind that you deserved it. You worked hard. You grew up with a dad who had cocktails after work because that's what you did. You know, so you had no like shame in the drinking at that like you so you didn't really hide it. And
0: so the problem that I would try to convince you that you had was that you didn't drink enough. I didn't drink enough you or I were overreact.
1: I was overreactive. Right. I did grew up in a household with an alcohol you know, I grew up in a household where there was divorce because of the alcoholic father and all the influences from my mother about talking that drinking is bad. You know. So
0: what did that feel like when I had promise, promise, promise? Oh, that, that one was done, I remember. It was hard. And maybe I was up to six months of sobriety, and you were starting to believe. And if then I said, "Change my mind. Gonna have to find a place to buy beer between here and Indy."
1: Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's the thing, one I'm thinking about, I remember I was. It was hard, and I was like, "Man, I would just love to leave him at a gas station that we pulled over and just just drive away." Because I was so, and I couldn't. I couldn't outwardly be mad.
0: Because the kids were there?
1: Because the kids were in the car.
0: Yeah. Did we we kind of set up in the front seat and whisper fought? About yeah.
1: It? And, <clears throat> yeah, I don't even know if whisper fought, just like utter disgust. Like, how could you get this far and then set us up and, you know, drop this bomb? I, th- I mean, yeah, I was like, oh my god cuz one of the one of the situations that made it hard um with your drinking in those days was uh, was the Indianapolis 500 because I would be embarrassed and you would like there were many times because that was just like your crazy weekend like it was like your boys weekend and but you wanted the family there
0: yeah
1: and I was like we don't want to see you turn into this person yeah i mean to the point where i couldn't even have waters and in your beer cooler and things like that in the beginning, or then I would be worried like whenever there was a, you know, we had children and I was pregnant or had the had an infant and so I didn't go to the race with you and you wanted to take one of the kids, it terrified me. So I had the other, our friends that had matured and you, always you know, grown up or slowed down and I had to make sure that they were watching out for the kids that were with you, cause I didn't trust you. So to, to make that be your welcome back to drinking event weekend, that just... It was like it was a slap in the face, and then I turned the cheek, and then you slapped the other side. Because it was so shocking. Because that was one weekend that... Because it was going into my family, too. Like, you're if it's the same thing... At the same time, I'm thinking about it. Your family got to see you not drink at Christmas and not turn into an asshole or there would be whisper arguments because of the tension of, you know, just having company in the house and a busy time with my job at the church and our job at the bakery. But then I felt like, well, now you're just going to fuck over my family because they get to see drunk Matt. They get to see intoxicated Matt once again.
0: Because we would spend the week after the race with your family.
1: Yeah. So it's like you never—I I felt disrespected for myself, and I felt disrespected for my family because I felt like they deserved to see sober Matt.
0: Yeah, I think it's very telling, and I—I I believe you wholeheartedly that if you could have just left me at a rest stop, you would have. I—I I, I think that's—it's really interesting. I, I don't blame you for it. You know, I think that that instinct is similar to what we hear from a lot of people that we work with that are dealing with the alcoholism of someone they love. But I, I just, I just think it's it's very interesting that that you you would have been comfortable doing. It. I believe you when you say that. If you could have left me at a rest stop and not had to deal with. Me calling you a million times, or yeah, who knows? The police saying, "Hey, did you leave your husband back there?" Yeah, or, hey, this isn't
1: your car; it's registered to your to your husband's. Well, you shared yeah. last name, whatever. But yeah, and I remember it was just like all about your feelings, how you couldn't do it. And I'm like, you can't make it one more week. Yeah, like you can't push and make it one more week. I've had given birth to children without medicine. You you can make it through this, you know, and. You know, first I was trying to be encouraging and saying I'm really shocked, I remember. And like, but it was all about your feelings and how you felt like it just wasn't worth it. It would be too hard to explain. Yep.
0: Yeah. Very selfish. Very selfish. Um, another thing that I used to do, I think you know about this one, but when we would entertain... It would be very typical. We didn't entertain a lot. I mean, we did early on in my drinking when we were both drinking. I mean, we we entertained a lot, but toward the end, we didn't entertain because it always ended badly and there were hurt feelings and for a variety of reasons. But on the rare occasion that we did entertain, it would be typical for the guys to be drinking beer and the women to be drinking wine. And I can remember times where I would go to the kitchen to open another bottle of wine out of view of the attendees at our little festivity. And I would open the bottle and then like slug as much as I could out of the bottle before I walked back in to the other room to, to pour wine into people's glasses. First of all, gross from the standpoint of... I <laughs> think you were sharing lips. your spill. Exactly. <laughs> so there's that. But then also, you know, obviously gross from the standpoint of I'm just chugging wine. wine out of a bottle when I've got a, a full beer in my other hand what would it, would that be another situation where you know I was lying to you I was hiding how much I was drinking you didn't know I was taking slugs out of the wine bottles every time I went to open one how would you describe your reaction to that in other words just sick and disgusting
1: yeah, if you're going to have wine, pour it in a glass. Gross. No one needs your lips on that bottle. And I mean, I think that I probably would Well, have... but I couldn't
0: walk around with a beer glass and a wine glass. Would that, you... that would indicate a problem.
1: Yeah, like... I, I mean, it would indicate a problem, but I guess I probably would have just thought that. Like, if you're going to have wine, then have the wine. Like, it's not, you know, bad for men to have wine. But the fact that you're just like chugging it, you know, out of the bottle before you served it, it would just be a hygienic point. That I I, now, I will say, and I'm going to give something even kind of grosser away at the end of parties, you would try to clean up and then if there were things left, you would drink whatever was left.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and I don't, I don't even know if a, you remember how I much didn't have like a cigarette, but oh, yeah, like you w- found w- that.
1: that before when we would have employee parties. Like you were like, "Oh, I don't, I don't think I should have drank that one." <laughs> I remember that, and were it was, you like serves your right. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, "Yeah, that's what happens when you just our garbage disposal." But yeah, you are like, "Well, we're not," because I remember you would like pour all of it into one glass, like if it was the wine, or sometimes we would have like a fun specialty cocktail. Um, and you just pour it all together and you're like, well, we're not going to waste this. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was big on not wasting. So, but that, I mean, that would be another example where I would be like, well, we can't let this go to waste, Sherry. Look at, look at what an environmentalist or whatever yeah. I am.
1: I am not a waster. Well, I remember you There drank- are
0: starving children in Africa. I've got to drink this <laughs> yeah. half warm wine. I can't.
1: No. Yeah. yeah how, I could how, somehow how, correlate
0: those two things.
1: How long did that, um green keg of coarse beer after your 31st or 32nd birthday party last like that was flat and gross and you drank on that for a while after my birthday
0: is very close to st patrick's day just as an explanation for why we had a keg of green beer yes it was a birthday slash st patrick's party and i did finish that thing and it was totally flat i didn't keep it cold so it was warm it took me a couple weeks to finish that off
1: yeah.
0: It was gross, but it was alcohol and I was not pouring it down the drain.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's the kind of thing that would just make you feel like I'm a disgusting human being, right?
1: Uh, yeah, just like, just not a... I don't know how to, what the word would be.
0: Well, you think about it. Yeah. Here's another example. Especially toward the end, especially when I knew that I had that beer limit like I said uh, like a six pack I and I toward the end I was not drinking hard alcohol but we had hard alcohol in the house for when people visited specifically my parents but others as well and there were times when I was feeling particularly bad about myself and I would take the bottle down from the pantry the gin or vodka bottle but a lot of times it was gin and just drink straight out of the bottle just like I would those wine bottles. But if you thought that was gross, I mean, that was gross for hy- hygiene reasons. I was drinking warm gin straight out of the bottle because I needed I needed more. My mm-hmm. six-pack wasn't going to be enough. Yeah. And so that's another form of lying. I, I wasn't hiding from you the fact that I was drinking. I was hiding from you the fact what I was drinking and how much I was drinking. And I was... Like, I would rush to get the bottle down and take a slug and put it back because I would have been really embarrassed, I think. I would have been embarrassed had you caught me, and I would have been worried about what your reaction, how angry your reaction would be had you caught me. So there's no denying that that's a form of lying. How would that, would that, again, just have made you feel like I was sick and twisted?
1: Just... Just, it would just make me feel, again, like, that's so sick and that's so sad. That's so sick and so sad.
0: Would it have made you angry?
1: Yeah, I, I would I feel like th-
0: drinking out of a wine bottle at a party is different. I mean, taking you might have been, been mad that- because I was doing something gross that your friends were going to have to be a a party yeah. to. Yeah. But, but drinking gin on a no-hard-alcohol no commitment...
1: Right, that would have really disappointed me because I would have really felt let down. Like, you couldn't even... Cause you weren't, you weren't able to stay within your boundaries and your rules. So the, you know, you, you would always invite me in what your, what your plan was. Yeah. And so that's why I think probably towards the end, I was like, I don't want to know your plan because if I know your plan and I were to catch you, quote unquote, catch you to do something like drinking from the gin bottle and you probably chose the gin because you know, I would have never looked at it. Like if I were ever to want to have a drink for myself, it would have never been gin. It would have been the vodka. Um, So probably um I would have said you can't even stick with your rules. So I don't wanna know what your rules are. Because you're gonna tell me it's okay for you to drink and you're gonna justify it, but then you just drink what it you know, you can't stay within your own rules and your own boundaries, so I don't wanna be a party to it.
0: I remember your brother in law who has sadly passed, but I remember toward the end he was he drank alcoholically as well. I remember coming out of the bathroom at their house once and he was pulling his bottle of I don't know what, but probably vodka out of the hallway closet, which was nowhere near the kitchen and he was topping off his drink. So I think what his deal was that day was he would get whatever the mixer was, seven up or juice in the kitchen in front of everybody. And then he would sneak off to the hall closet and put Mm -hmm. the vodka in it. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, God, that's so pathetic. I thought that's so pathetic, but I still, I related to it in some way. And then here I am not long after that, maybe not after that at all, maybe concurrently Mm
1: -hmm.
0: drinking warm gin out of the bottle out of the pantry closet. But it's, it's bizarre to me that I could separate in my head that he clearly had a problem, but I do not. That's another fascinating part of all of this. Sick and fascinating but I could compartmentalize. What other what other terms do alcoholics exhibit? Uh, you justify. I could justify my drink. Oh, my my job's way more stressful than your brother-in-law's job is. And look look how I keep it together. He's he's got clear signs that he's not holding it together. Mm-hmm. And so the the lies are sometimes subtle like that. I mean, your brother-in-law, he didn't do that to hurt anyone in the family. He did that because... To avoid
1: conflict. Because to avoid conflict. He just didn't want everybody to know that he was drinking that proportion probably too. Right? Like he probably had just a smidge of mixer and a lot more vodka. And he didn't want to get the eye roll from my sister. He didn't want to upset my mother or if my grandmother was still alive He at probably the time. didn't want to
0: share with me either. That was probably... <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably. <laughs>
0: Can't let Matt see where I keep the vodka. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I just think you know we talk a lot about denial and gaslighting and lies, and they're not acceptable. I'm not. I'm not trying to to justify it or. But I I just think it's really important that as the loved one of the alcoholic, there is an understanding of the source of the lies. You know, on the one hand, I always lied to you to protect you. I I didn't give you enough credit for how smart you were, clearly. I thought I, you know, my little, uh, you know, oh, uh, I stayed at the neighbor's because he needed me. Or I I just had those beers in the morning because I needed to get back to sleep. I thought that was actually hitting the mark with you.
1: Or when you would think that I would believe. I may have not known that you were drinking swigs of warm gin from the bottle in the pantry in the kitchen. But I did sometimes check down by our beer refrigerator and look around to see if there was a bottle because I could tell when you were more drunk than (laughs) other times. So I was like, something isn't driving. So I would question you, like, did you have not very much to eat? Or I would say, okay, well, sometimes hormonally I feel like I can get more buzz off of Certain ones, or did you buy a different brand or, you know, yeah. uh, different um, craft beer? Or was it a double IPA higher, higher, or, yeah. you know, those sort the, of things? And these are
0: all things that had gotten me in trouble multiple times in the past.
1: Yeah. Drinking like your
0: double IPAs or not eating. These are all things that you had experienced. You had seen it where drinking on an empty stomach had made me go off the deep end way mm-hmm. faster.
1: Mm-hmm. So I definitely was like, observant and aware, but I just was uninformed and not, you know, not, uh, you know, not completely believing you, but not completely think you were lying to me.
0: So I know what my perspective on all this is. I have compassion and empathy for the drinkers who are doing the lying because I've been there and I know that they're trying to protect their loved one, they're trying to protect their relationship with their loved one. They are justifying their drinking for a myriad reasons. You know, my job's so stressful. Uh, I don't get as long a weekend as everybody else. Whatever. Whatever their lame excuse is. I say lame now, but at the time, I know what it feels like to be making that excuse in my own head. And it it seems as legitimate as saying that the sun is going to come up tomorrow morning. So I I can find empathy and compassion for the drinker, a ton of it, actually. My My question for you, Sherry, is... Well, and let me just say, I can also find empathy and compassion for the loved one who's just sick of being lied to and sick of the gaslighting and sick of the denials and isn't in a compassionate place. Because you were not in a compassionate place toward me toward the end. You were done with me. You wanted to leave me at a rest stop. You... You detached and checked out and wanted little or nothing to do with me. Do you, are you able to have compassion for the drinkers?
1: I, I definitely think now I do. Because um, something that you said earlier in the podcast made me think of like parenting. When you said that the liars are bad people. At that time, I thought you were a bad person because I didn't understand the disease of alcohol or the addiction. Alcoholism, yeah. You know, I... uh But I also didn't think people that lied were bad. They made a bad choice. They made a bad decision. And that's something, like, I would enforce to the kids. I know that I like have often... you're off not a,
0: bad. You just, just did something. You about. just did
1: something that was bad. You didn't yeah. think it all the way through. And I know that there's been many times that I've lied to you about things... Because I didn't want to be truthful, to protect your feelings, or I didn't feel secure or safe. You know, nothing, like, major.
0: You thought I would explode and get upset. Explode,
1: yeah. Like, you know, um... You know, it'd usually just be small, silly stuff and no reason to lie. But, so I guess I can have empathy there, too, because I think growing up, um... With a father who is an alcoholic, we do have a tendency as adult children of alcoholics have a tendency to lie and cover up and hide things a little bit and not be truthful completely. Um, But I never thought that you were a bad person, even when I was really, really mad at you. I just thought, why can't you just be honest? Like, just I just deal with the truth, live in the truth, because the argument that we always had was you would say you never lied to me. I don't lie to you, Sherry.
0: And I believe that. And you believe that. That's important. And
1: that's what made me even more angry. Was because I'm like, you're not telling me all the truth. You're not being, you know, as noble and forthright as you think you are. And now I understand that you were doing it because you thought it was a protection. But then... And I was
0: protecting two things. I thought I was protecting you, and I thought I was protecting my ability to drink. Right. Which I thought I deserved. Mm -hmm. I thought was justified.
1: So you were lying to yourself, you were lying to me, Yeah. and lies of omission, those sort of things. Yeah. So now it's much easier to look back and say, I can understand, I have empathy. Back then when you were drinking... I never thought you were a bad person for lying, I just thought, why is he making these stupid bad decisions? Yeah. And I didn't quite understand how much alcohol had a hold on you until I've seen you in this sober state.
0: So you didn't respect me, you weren't attracted to me, you didn't necessarily think I was evil, that's the wrong word it sounds like? Yeah, I think for me that that was the wrong word. But you thought I was mean-spirited, uh, stupid? you know making mm. all these bad
1: decisions. So it it that kind of hit that kind of took some of that trust that I had in you cuz I'm like if you're making a a decision to to have a lie of omission about how much you actually have drank mm-hmm. or that you've drank something in between your six beers of the day, what other things it it led this level of suspicion. What other things is he doing out there? Yeah. Yeah, you know, So that's when I think about that time, too, is like, is when I started kind of, like, really wanting to know more about the finances and why the cars were in certain people's names. And well,
0: certain people, they were in my name. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs>
1: it's like I'm at, like, you know, like, because for a while the car was in my car that I drive was in my name. But then you're like, I'm the one that has to go to the tag, name, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it really started, was just for ease and yes, convenience that it's yes. in my name. So it just made it, like... Like, why does he want all that? Like, why am... So then I'm like, where's all the money? And like, what are the accounts? And because I started... lack of
0: trust just breeds more lack of trust. Yeah.
1: That makes perfect
0: sense. Sure. Sure. That makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. And then I... Then again, that gaslighting, like, he really thinks I'm stupid if I'm not... If I'm not... And that I'm gullible because he thinks that I really think he only had six beers And he tells me he only had six beers, but he's not acting like he said just six beers. I know the difference.
0: I know there are times when I I get out of my lane and I speak for the other drinkers of the world, the other alcoholics of the world, and I say, you know, we talk about universalisms. This is something I believe to be true of all alcoholics. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do that here at all because I really legitimately don't know. It's not something I've had a lot of conversations around. But I definitely thought I was smarter than you. I definitely thought, when we talk about gaslighting, I thought I was convincing you that I was right. Now, looking back, I know two things. I know you're way smarter than I realized. I mean, you roll your eyes at that, but it's true. I know you're way smarter than I realized and I also know that th- those that gaslighting, those lies, that was as much to convince me of stuff as it was to convince you of it. So, you know, I don't want any pity because I was lying to myself, but in a lot of ways, a lot of times, I was, I was lying to myself mm-hmm. when I would gaslight you. And I just wanted to get out of whatever the situation was. I mean, so many times gaslighting comes from this place of if I can convince her that she's the crazy one and that it's not me over drinking, then I don't have to look really hard at my drinking as being a problem. So gaslighting solves a lot of problems. Convincing our spouses that they're crazy isn't done from a place of being evil. It's done because that way we don't have to look at the only other possible alternative for the behavior and the dysfunction and the arguments, which is clearly the alcohol. If I convince you you're crazy, then I don't have to look
1: at my drinking. Well, and gaslighting doesn't just have to be in an alcoholic or addictive relationship. But it fits in there very nicely. Yes, but it is kind of an easy way out because you don't have to look at yourself. I mean... Just think about it, we kinda of gaslight our kids a lot when they're little, like with Santa and the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy and I
0: cannot believe you are <laughs> gonna use Santa Claus and gaslighting in the same sentence. <laughs> what I mean?
1: Or okay, going to the park. What are you? Okay, going to the park. We'll go to the park tomorrow. We'll go later on or you know. Yeah. It's because we don't want to answer some of those hard questions or face some of those hard facts.
0: Yeah. So Mommy, why is my penis staring at me? What? Well, when the kid first, you know, gets an erection and they're like, and you don't want to deal with it right then. That fits in the conversation of things you don't want to deal with. You're looking at me like
1: some kind of a pervert now. Not looking at you at all. I can't (laughs) look at you after that. That's terrible. But, okay, that's gone off the rails really quickly. But, gaslighting is, I didn't know the terminology, but I kept thinking, boy, he thinks I'm gullible. He thinks I'm gullible. And I see now... Very much so that it was to protect. The lies were to protect me and yourself and your drinking. Okay,
0: so you've got some serious time in sobriety in our marriage under your belt. It's time in my sobriety, time in your recovery, your discovery. So I know the answer when I ask the question, can lies be innocent and evil at the same time? You're going to say, yes, they can be, they can be innocent. And you can, you can understand the origin of the lies right?
1: Sure. I when you and I were discussing this topic I I was like innocent and evil. I don't like the either words. I don't okay. like either of those okay. words. Fair.
0: what are the better words?
1: Um, I think that lies can be a protection
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they can be protective and they can be malicious. and alcoholics or people in general can do both. And for an alcoholic lies, most of them are protective lies, not lies of being malicious and intentful. I think you're right. Intentional. Sorry, that's the word.
0: I think you're right. I think that those are better terms. But I'm still going to title this podcast (laughs) Innocent and Evil. Because I'm
1: smarter than you. No, not (laughs) because I'm smarter than you.
0: Because they... They're... More. Those are easier to yes. understand the direction we're going, right? Because
1: they're like
0: opposite. Yes, it's a and clear opposite. I get we really understood opposite. I
1: get it. I think that lives are complicated, so
0: especially when we add alcohol. And here's the the place I'd like to leave this discussion. Alcohol is just diabolical to create such a dichotomy, regardless of what words we choose to use, whether it's innocent and evil or hurtful and accidental. What did you say? Your words are better but I can't remember. you want to
1: rewind it?
0: I should write them down. Say it. You can't remember. (laughs) No I can't.
1: Now you've put too many words in my head.
0: Well either way there is this dichotomy between Protective protective
1: and intentional or malicious.
0: Malicious. Protective and malicious. I mean those are in many ways you know kind of opposites and Alcohol creates that dichotomy. Alcohol creates this natural environment where things can go off the rails to that extent. And someone can be lying and not even realize they're lying. I mean, adamantly defend themselves and say, I do not lie to you, Sherry. And mean it and believe it in their core. And then go back in the kitchen and get another (laughs) slug of vodka out of the bottle above the pantry. Yeah, And vehemently deny being a liar alcohol creates that there's no there's no nowhere else in my life that I can can find such you know evil I know you don't like the word evil but there is evil in those bottles there is it's just not meant for human consumption that's why they're called spirits Uh, do you forgive me for all of my lies
1: I do I, I do forgive you for all of your lies because I know they weren't well, I malicious you for accusing me of lying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I did totally. I feel bad about it. But because that went
1: to your integrity, so that's why you felt bad about it, and that's why you would get mad and then go have another swig. I am not lying to you. Now I'm really mad. You've attacked my integrity. Go have another drink.
0: All I've got to say is the peace and freedom that exists in not just long-term sobriety, but the ability to look at this stuff introspectively and honestly. And have conversations like this is really valuable. So if you have gotten something out of this podcast, I hope you can get to the point, whichever side of the street you are on, whether you're the drinker or the loved one, where you can have conversations like this in long term sobriety, because they might be digging up the past. There might be some pain involved, but they're also super cathartic and brings you to a pretty peaceful, content place and contentment. That is the ultimate human goal, in my opinion. Very difficult to reach. Fame, power, money. Forget about those. Contentment. That's what we should be going for. That's a topic for another day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks for being here and recording another episode with me, Sherry. Yeah.
1: Love you. Love you too. Love you here.
0: Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources.
1: If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at EchoesofRecovery.org.
0: If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at ShoutSobriety.org.
1: No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to SoberEvolution.org.
0: For my wife Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.